Hi, everyone. This is Eating After Midnight. Uh, I'm your host, Amy Rivers. <laughs> I'm Sasha Chambers. <laughs> Hi, Sasha. What is our podcast about? <laughs> so basically, we rewatch a whole bunch of movies that we thought were really, really good when we were young that we're obsessed with to see if they're still really, really good. And why we were obsessed with them, what we're obsessed with them about, like what about them obsesses us now? And what kind of twisted shit was, yeah, what kind of twisted shit was put in our brains as young children? It's an origin story, right? It's an origin story. Like, I want to know, like, where did I get some of the, like, strange ideas that I have about, you know, human relations (laughs) and the way the world works, you know, did a... Oh, that's pitch perfect. Did Brat Pack movies just ruin me, you know? And did other movies make you the person who you are proud to be today? True enough. And I just and I just got some new information about today's film, Footloose, um, that just blew my mind. And I'm not sure if you knew this. No, probably not. Okay. Girl, did you know that Footloose was based on a true story? Fuck you. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, like, because, you know, because we already know Footloose so well, we've watched oh, it so many no. times. Like, why would you ever Google that shit? Oh, it was based no. on a true story. Footloose's oh, no. Beaumont is loosely based on Elmore City, a town in Oklahoma known for the saying, oh. if the South is the Bible Belt, then we are the buckle. Oh, no. Because you can't make shit like that up. Dancing really was outlawed until all the juniors at the local high school asked to allow dancing at their prom. Oh, no. Wow. It's okay, a true well, story. That's, that's Which would explain why it's so weird, right? Because like, like, that's what we were talking about before we actually watched it. It was like, this story is just so, like, what the fuck? Like, how would well, this ever really okay. be a thing? Because it was really a thing. So for anybody who hasn't seen Footloose, the IMD description, um, a city kid is transplanted to a small town where rock and roll is regarded as the devil's music. He tries to change the town's attitude and in process, win the heart of the preacher's freewheeling daughter, fucking Ariel. It doesn't say that <laughs> last bit. It should have though. It should have. It really it should have fucking Ariel. Um, um, the th- yeah, but see, they've got it a little bit wrong because they're making it sound like it's about the music and it was not about the music. No, it was about it, like, dancing. Jeez. Oh my god, that's staying in. <laughs> that sneeze <laughs> fucking staying in. Okay. I was like, oh, I'll be quiet around it, but no, that's staying in. Okay. <laughs> so a um, little bit more information. Uh, okay. It, it was made in 1984, which was, of course, the same year as the LA Summer Olympics, which is very important mm-hmm. because Sasha and I grew up in Los Angeles, beautiful yep. city of angels. And of course, it stars uh, Kevin Bacon. Uh, Lori Singer is the one who plays fucking Ariel. And yep. then John Lithgow. Fucking awesome. Ariel. Yeah. Oh my no, God. John, John Lithgow. Give him a moment, John Lithgow. John and, Lithgow. <laughs> and Diane Weiss is in this movie. I, she's so good. I love her. And she's the best part. Okay. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. John Lithgow, amazing, but John Lithgow hmm. always old, right? Like, has he ever been young? Yeah, has he ever played a young character. This and, is probably the youngest he's ever looked to me. 
But then I'm sure he's probably in some like amazing film from like 1969 or something with Paul Newman that like we've never seen. And then we're going to see it. We're going to be like, oh, my God, John Lithgow was hot when he was 20. You know what I mean? But like, no, I'm sure it exists. We're going to have to find it. We're going to have to find it. it. Because he's playing the father in this. And I just feel like he still plays the father. You know, like he still plays, <laughs> like, like that's still his role. Like, has he ever been, like, is it him in a, is it him? This is me with my perfect English. You know what I'm really afraid about in this podcast, Sasha, is like, on a, I was on a call the other day and with America and uh, they were talking to me. With about the entire like, continent of America. <laughs> yeah. Everyone in America was talking. About you got a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway I was talking and and um and you know I was doing some writing for for this company which will remain nameless but they they said oh you've got such a, an American um perspective that's so good and we're really impressed and I was like well I should I'm American at which point they said really we didn't realize and I was like what so I'm really afraid that like I don't hear like here. I'm the most American person in the room. Wait, but you were talking to other Americans. Yeah. And I think I have not adopted an affected accent. Like, and I know that there's certain things that I say differently. Oh, well, that's just normal. Cause I mean, like after a certain point of living someplace, you're going to start to pick up the cadence and the rhythm of the language. You're going to pick up a little bit of local accent. It wouldn't be weird. You haven't gone like full Madonna. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, or like, yeah, there. Lindsay Lohan. It's not like anything weird. Like, you've got the occasional lilt sometimes. God. Sometimes you, need to calm you might draw and... out your eyes a little bit. You know what I mean? And you might refer to dinner as tea. No, I you know, you might do that. that. You have that. so many times. You have so many times, but you still don't sound like a Brit. I appreciate that, but you should seriously send me like virtual slaps through my face over that because it's so obnoxious to me. I mean, like I attempt, like I do not, like I hate the idea that that might be me. For 1984, it's an obnoxiously long movie. Like a lot happens. And like obscenely long. Like and now I understand it's because they were doing a docudrama. <laughs> they had to get they had to give history its due. They had to like, you know, pay respect to the town. Oh, pay respect to history. Oh shoot. Oh shoot. Okay, we're gonna start. Yeah. The South okay. is the is a Bible belt. We are the buckle. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. We're going to get into this. So we begin. Kenny Loggins starts singing Footloose. Footloose. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And what we see is toes attacking, dancing. We see dancing feet. See, that's what you see. That's what you see. <laughs> As a Pilates instructor <laughs> and like movement nerd, I see a lot of crazy shit happening to people's ankles. <laughs> Some spinal alignment, some joint misalignments and things that like give me a lot of concern with like, I know you guys are young and you're dancers, but there's just no reason to be doing what I everyone else saw was like a lot. 80s fashions. 
Um, we mm-hmm. had shit like polka dot socks with three inch heels and things like oh, that. Oh, that was you one of I my mean? favorite looks, though. It ooh, was ooh, one ooh. of my favorite. I have looks. it written down: socks and heels. It's right there. Yeah, socks and socks heels. heels. It's right, right there. I love those, but but especially that look, the polka dots. Yes. But when I watched it, mm-hmm. what I noticed is like the shoes were dirty, and I get the yes, patasucios, <laughs> <laughs> right? I have it written down. I was like, why are their feet filthy? Like they're why are they so dirty? There's there's some really weird dancing. You are right about this Mm. without getting Pilates weird on you because I'm not going to do that to our there's some there's some to our audience that doesn't exist yet, Sasha. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, Um, the whole world is listening. (laughs) But there are some maroon shoes, and they were like they were like doing that. You know that move where you you put your hands on your knees and you like crisscross them. It was like something like that, but then it was like. A cabbage patch with it like but all you see is the feet it was weird like i don't yeah. know what she was doing it was it was really cool though it, that what now that you say that it was really interesting that you could basically tell what you can always tell what the upper half is doing but by, by looking at the lower half yeah so so then uh. we find out who is in the movie so this was actually when i found out diane weiss is in the movie and then we've got yeah. a um young sarah jessica parker who's in this film yes. as well and chris penn who is in it is he dead? Yes. Okay. So R.I.P. Chris Chris Penn. Um, <sighs> so those two people are in it. So our 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 tale begins. Our true story begins with a, a sermon and a bunch of Baptists sweating and talking about the evils of rock and roll. A bunch of bad sis Baptists. <laughs> Did I say Baptists? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Did he have a skin problem? <laughs> Bab. Baptist, bad sis. Baptist. Baptist. Are they Baptist? Is that what they are? They're Baptists? I'm pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a blocker. I, I, I don't remember exactly, but I think there's a blocker, you know, this what the church is called and it's, it's a Baptist oh, church. It makes I sense. didn't register it. But anyway. Okay. And, you know, the only talking. thing I noticed about that first church scene was what kind of monster paints their nails inside anywhere well, other than a nail salon. That's the deal. That that's always was deal. like, that's how funny. is everyone not turning around with that stench, especially yeah. 1984 nail polish? Like that shit should have been taking the paint off the walls, let alone putting it down on her fingernails. Like, ew. And of stank. course, that's how we get introduced to fucking Ariel. The very fucking first, our very Ariel. Of- that, yeah. What kind of monster? Ariel, the monster, that bitch. <laughs> She's that kind of monster. Um, the best actor award, of course, goes to the little kid sleeping in the church. I just remember. Oh my god, the kid who looked like he'd been on like the worst bender of his life. Like he was like an like <laughs> the eleven year old. That no, like that was not normal kidnapping. Like he was like you know he had maybe been he was asleep like leaving las vegas style <laughs> at some kid's slumber party for like a whole weekend like he was trashed <laughs> though he was trashed and it was awesome and then kevin bacon's there of course as well listening to all this and he's the new kid in town right and uh, but, but and- i have to say john Lithgow preaching like just the way he was preaching i was like i just want like a pocket John Lithgow to defend me in all social situations, like big or small. I want that voice <laughs> to represent me. He's a really good anytime I need representation. Yeah, yeah, he's brilliant. So, so then we get to you know, in, in we're still in the church, we're still in the first moment. We got to go faster here, but 
We're going to have to just go for it. Um, So we've got some whispers from Sarah Jessica Parker, you know, look at the new kid. He's gorgeous. And then, and then we go outside and we have the meeting of what is Kevin Bacon's name in this film again? It's, it's Ren. 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 It's super weird. Yeah. Ren. He's so cool. Um, We have the hi, hi moment. Hi. Hi. When Ariel and Ed meet. (laughs) And, you know, it's like lots of, lots of electricity happening. They're just fire. Very fiery moment. And then we move on to possibly one of the weirdest scenes, I think, ever in a movie. They're in the car, right? So now Ariel, fucking Ariel, and her girlfriends are in the car on their way to get soda pops or some shit. And they're they're talking and chit-chatting all girly in the car. And then they see Il Ducho's truck. I can't remember what her boyfriend's name is. Like, I, I like, blank everyone's character's name, except for fucking Ariel, like, immediately. So, like, Il Ducho's in his truck, right? And they see this. And I don't remember what Sarah Jessica Parker said to Lori Singer that for her, the next logical step was to remove her sweater and attempt to crawl out of the car. I don't understand. Like there's a whole connect that that's la 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 like didn't happen for me. <laughs> like I can't. I can't put I can't put it together. No, no. I, and like all it was was like fucking Ariel. This was just her. She's got a death wish. She's got a death wish. And this was her establishing I've got a death wish in the film. And she's got a spooky ass boyfriend who's got antlers on his truck. And she decides to just do the most dangerous shit in the world. This was a film about teenagers. And this was what, like, in the 80s, we thought teenagers were like. Or this is what we were watching and being like, oh, that's yeah, Like, like, we're allowed to do this. Totally. Anybody who hasn't seen it, she, she basically is in the car. And she's just such a badass. And she's had to be in church. And now she just wants to be free. So she, when her boyfriend drives up next to her, she decides to crawl into his car. But then, bop, bop, a semi is coming. But the girl doesn't give a fuck because she's wild, right? And she's and because she has, and because she has the inner thigh strength of a six-year-old Chinese gymnast, apparently, that she could straddle the two windows of cars at different heights. Going down the highway at like 80 miles an hour. And of course, so for everyone that's listening that hasn't seen the film. So like, this is not where fucking Ariel eats it. Though we would have been fine if that happened. No, this is where at 80 miles an hour, Il Ducho just reaches over with his left hand on the wheel. His right hand somehow go-go gadget goes out the window, wraps itself around Lori Singer's, albeit 14-inch waist. And then jackknifes her in half into the car. Amazing. And Pulls her whole body through the passenger side window with the single paw of his hand, where she <laughs> lands with her feet in the well, perfectly upright, like, Whoa, well, that was a romp. And everyone's very it's, upset with her. Everyone's very upset. Yes. With her. And she's as well, they should be because well like, and be. like, so here's, yeah. And like, here's part of the thing. So, Ariel, fucking Ariel, basically, she's like all emo because she's the preacher's daughter. 
And so she's aggro because she's unhappy at home. And so the, the death wish that she's carrying is that perhaps things are so hard in the preacher's house that it, it, death would be preferable. She would, she would sooner oh, tempt oh, death than continue on this emo 17-year-old girl existence where she's so stifled, right? In a household where she's clearly showered with love and she just, you know, she's the preacher's daughter and they don't dance and shit like that. So that, see, right there is one of those things where I feel like we got this image of like, it's okay to be like super emo and reckless in that way. Because I feel like we're going to come up against this a lot, or not against it, but we're going to see this a lot in a lot of films that we watched. That idea of like, if I'm troubled, I am therefore sexy, definitely yeah. is a yeah. really bad lesson I learned. Yeah. I've realized that troubled does not equal sexy, but in the 80s, it did. That was kind of the lesson that you got from a lot of films was like, yeah, the more troubled I am, the sexier I'll be and all the boys will want Right. Me. Right. Anyway. So, so there's it's, that. It's the That's, oh, by history. the way. By the way, we've had all this to say. I took a marker at this point. Uh, we are eight minutes into the film. <laughs> all right. All right. Moving moving faster. So yeah. we're back to Kevin Bacon. And he is listening to the church folk on the on the um, porch area. And then this fucking chick shows up <laughs> with Toll House Cookie Squares, which sounds really good. In, in mm. a fucking Nike's shoebox that was orange. And do you remember Who that? Who does that? Who brings cookies in a shoebox, you fucking animal? Get a Tupperware. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. My God. So so then they're talking about how uh, um, they want to ban a book from school. And the book is Slaughterhouse-Five. At which point, Ren peeps up and says, that's a really good book. And thus we learn that our hero is bookish. Which and is and rebellion, like, like uh, on, on edgy. 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 He likes edgy. things that would be considered edgy. Yeah. Yes. Huge fan of Vonnegut. Uh, Could talk about him for hours. Very cool. Very cool. And they shame him for it. So he's, he's yeah. an outsider. Um, and then we go to his house where he's living with his aunt and uncle. And my favorite line of the whole thing, Amy, you are so lame. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, you are so lame. Do you know how many times I heard that growing up? That was like my brother's Oh my god. Name. Amy, you are so lame. I think if we do make some merch, we should have a t-shirt that says Amy, you are so lame. Of course spelled yes. correctly, AMY. Then where are we? Oh, okay. So now so so we we get Ren's situation. For some reason, him and his mom, his cool mom. Moms were a good character. Yeah. They are living with the aunt and uncle. So we don't know the whole story yet, but they're living. Yeah. With he's he's moved from Chicago to this house where he has to live with his aunt and uncle. Greasy, weird looking uncle. Ugh. Um, whose uh, daughter thinks that he's a fox, even though they're related. Yeah. And then we cut to um, the diner scene where. where oh, white thriller. Yes. <laughs> and and uh, we're back with fucking ariel and everyone's still pissed off at her and she clearly doesn't give a fuck that she has in, made all of her friends angry she's just like whatever get me some fries <laughs> <laughs> right 
<laughs> like right. Ariel, we're all here. It's fine. Care. Yeah, she's a very she's a narcissist. She's a, she's a narcissist. narcissist. Yeah. Um, I can't even imagine. And then, and then just just pushing the envelope on how how crazy and wild she is. She has smuggled a cassette tape, and she plays <sighs> it in a boombox. <laughs> <laughs> a boombox, a magical ju- boombox run on D batteries <laughs> that can produce such a quality of sound that not only she and her douche boyfriend in the truck, but everyone in the parking lot inside the restaurant and surrounding can hear the magical groove. And that's why I call it white thriller as they all slowly <laughs> learn how to catch a beat and step touch in time. <laughs> And they're so happy about it for like a good, what, a solid minute, a solid minute. These kids have like learned a two, four and they're like, what? Four, four. Oh my God. Oh my God. We're moving. And then what happens? Right. John Preacher shows up. John Lithgow randomly for what? Why is he there? Why would he be there? Like at all. Oh, you don't know. You don't remember. He has come there. Because Ariel's mother didn't think that she had money, so he came to yeah. bring it to her. What a terrible life this girl So I'm have. saying, I would straddle a semi and a sedan on a highway, too. What or a truck that? and a sedan and take on a semi on a highway, rather. Yeah, I would so, do that, too, if I had that kind of a dad. So ultimately, what we learn in this scene is that she is a spoiled brat. She's yeah. absolutely Ariel. Brat. Fucking Ariel. Fucking is Ariel. officially this trash. Is why she get it? Yeah, this is where she gets her nickname. Fucking Ariel. If she hasn't yeah. gotten it yet, it's just like death wish, painting your nails in church, and then being a dick to your dad who's just brought you money because he brought was you money that you might not have any. So he was like, "Oh, here, pay for your fries." <laughs> you know that you made your friend daughter mine. You. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, she's a brat and she's spoiled. Now we finally get to go to school. First day of school. So he meets homie, right? Which okay. So I need to call this out. This is a great scene. This is cool. Like yeah. First they have a moment where they're like, hey, and they you know there's like an issue. Like you bumped into me, and then they become fast friends two seconds later. And why? I kind of I love that because they're kids. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Yep. Chris Penn's great in this film. He's great. Every scene that's just the two of them is is gold for me. Well, wait a second, because now he they go to lunch and Kevin Bacon does the sex monologue. Oh yeah, that like one of the most <laughs> awkward thing that's ever happened. Yeah, that's there's the, this whole film is just packed with like what the. F- fuck like was this was this important to the story this really drive things along here really so so kevin bacon's talking about how back in chicago he he gets to dance at this club and he was dancing with some girl and you know things got hot and heavy and then it has the really corny kind of end where it says like make ginger pop because the girl's name is ginger yeah and then yeah. after, you know, Chris Penn is like, whose name is Willard in the film. 
at Christmas, oh, like, yes. with bated breath, oh. you know, listening to the story about dancing and sex and a girl named Ginger. And then he goes, is that true? At which point Kevin Bacon says, no, but I have this girl. <laughs> like, yeah. So I'm not sure what this, it was very weird. It was a very weird sex monologue. It was very weird. And like Chris Penn was so intently listening to this that I couldn't help but think that he had like a Woody under the table. And like, it just really made me uncomfortable. Okay, now we're at John Lithgow's house. And again, fucking Ariel is so annoying. So John Lithgow's trying to, he's either trying to work or read or he's trying to do something. And fucking Ariel, she like half starts to talk to him, but then says nothing. And... Well, she doesn't then, know how to approach him, Amy. She doesn't know how to communicate what she but wants. It's really annoying. Like, if my kid did that, I'd be like, can you please just tell me, like, come in the room and use your words. Like, he's not doing anything. He's not like, get out of the room. There's no, like, mean brow. Like, John Lithgow's just, you know, doing his work. Like, working. at any point could be like, hey, dad, can I do that? Instead, she's like, dad. And then he'll be like, yeah, Ariel, but he doesn't lift his head. And then she's just like, nothing. You know, it's like, oh my God, I would kill it. She did it about six times in the scene. Just started yeah. half half started to talk to him. At which point Well, um, I mean, you know, they're trying to they're trying to portray John Lithgow now as like some kind of, you know, God obsessed workaholic, a godaholic here. So that's no. why she can't, you know, break through. Like maybe John Lithgow should have just been meaner. You know, I mean, maybe that's the problem. Maybe the yeah, problem I mean, like, like yeah, if, if he had been just a little bit meaner, she would have seemed a lot less cunty. But since he wasn't, she just seems like yeah. a brat. Absolutely. Awful brat. At which yeah. point, like, um, my notes here say, my foot fetish child has started to eat my toes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so all our listeners know that I have a baby. And this is the point where he just went to town on my feet. And this is something that has become chronic with him. He loves feet. It's his thing. It's not just my feet, daddy's feet, dog's feet, anybody's feet. He just he grabs them and then he sticks them in his mouth. It's disgusting. Oh, my God. I need to break him from it. But Whoa. Yeah, that's the kid I got. No. <laughs> The dog's feet, though. Yeah, no, none of that. Uh, none no, of the dog's know, feet. It's just, it's, it's just whatever they can grab. But yeah, right. Scene, like watching the movie, and the next thing you know, here's my son, hands on my foot, toe in the mouth, and I was just like, Oh, oh my god! <laughs> Does he even have? He doesn't have teeth yet. So it's all like gummy yeah, and weird in there. Ah, <laughs> so weird. <laughs> He has become my little monkey. Like he is, he, like he grabs oh. onto me now, and it's just wherever I'm going. I think if he could cling and just hang his head like a monkey, then he would just be with me 24 hours a day. Like he would, like that would be his preference. But yeah, like well, soon he'll know. be strong enough to do that, Amy. Oh my days! Would, at least I wouldn't have to carry him. He'd just hang, and then it would just be It'd be awesome. Actually, if he could, if he, if, act, if actually as a toddler he was that strong that he would just like grip onto you like a koala and actually support his own weight, that'd be so cool. <laughs> oh my days! Uh, what did I? What did I get myself into? I love him so much.
So, okay, so wait, so now, so we've, so Ariel's an asshole at home. Then we go back to school. He has his first run in with Chuck, who is Ariel's girl, boyfriend. At which point, Ariel's boyfriend, they get in a fight, right? And she laughs at something, and Chuck turns and says, Shut up. With oh, the yeah. Domestic so violence. So terrible. The, yeah. The shut up is really scary. It's like, like, don't talk to her like that. And I fucking hate Ariel, but don't talk yeah. to her like that. Yeah. Um, because she giggles or something. So she says, shut up. It's spooky. And then Kevin Bacon gets a job stacking flour. And Ariel shows up like a stalker. And she does this numerous times in the film where she shows up like a stalker and is like, Chuck wants to talk to you at three o'clock. And she walks away. I felt really bad about this because I don't want to body shame anyone, but she is skinny. She does need a sandwich. But I mean, that was, that was the body type then, right? Like that was the deal. Like scrawny and no boobies was like the thing. Like as much like a little boy as you could possibly look. Yeah. Yeah. She's an attractive woman. So I'm not. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. She's, she's gorgeous. And I would love to wear size one jeans, but you know. Yeah, but I she's mean, her, teeny. Like you said it before her waist is like like fourteen no, inches. Seriously, insane. like fourteen inches easily. It's insane. But yeah, so Ariel shows up like a stalker at his work on his first day of work. By the way, like he gets right. the job, starts stacking flour, and Ariel is there. Yeah. So and then this is when we get the gymnastic scene. So, no big deal. He happens to do the Olympic bars. Yes. Foreshadowing. We're just going to toss this out there. Like, as a, you know, no bigs. We didn't mention it before, but hey, he's a badass on the bars. Like, what? (laughs) Yes. He's a gymnast. Like, yeah. This guy's busy. Multifaceted (laughs) individual. Yeah. Where we discover that his waist is smaller than Ariel's. (laughs) No, he doesn't. Oh, Kevin Bacon. I love Kevin Bacon, by the way. We haven't mentioned Kevin Bacon at all. And he does his, he does his job in this film. He does such a you good job I mean? with, his, with his crow's feet. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. He looks old in this movie already. He looks like, he old as fuck. Like he's so creepy. He's 35 years old with his crow's feet. I don't know. I, I thought he was handsome growing up. Yeah. Like Kevin Bacon oh, we, we clearly can see in this movie is where I developed my obsessive high school crush. On he whose name shall not be mentioned. <laughs> yes, absolutely. but like that shit's obvious right there. Like that's like <laughs> like you would almost think that that kid modeled his whole life after this guy, <laughs> start to finish, top to bottom. Um, and then we cut to another fucking aerial scene where she is uh, splendor in the grass. Her dude's got no shirt on, and her jeans are undone. Yeah. On top of everything else, Death Wish, painting her nails, you know. Fornicates in wrong? bushes. She oh. In bushes. She takes, she's, she's a shitty kid list. when her parents give her money. She doesn't use her words. <laughs> she's a stalker. <laughs> she's a stalker. And now we learn that, yeah, she's a fornicating in bushes. <laughs> she fornicates in the bushes. Oh, God. 
This actually, this was the only part of the film where I actually kind of liked Ariel was the fornicating in the bushes scene. Um, oh, just for the, yeah, yeah. She had one moment for me when she was talking about like wanting to get out of the town and Chuck is like, but you're as small town as it gets. And she's just like, fuck this. I'm out of here. And like zips up but her little pants and like gets the fuck like, out. Yeah. She's clearly a model. <laughs> like she's right. clearly a model. Like, or at the very least a trophy wife. Yeah, yeah, she's New going York, places. You know, she could go she's to New York. She could have a, a brief modeling career and then become a trophy wife to a stock broker. That I mean, I see that trajectory for her. Yeah, like and I, mean, I don't mean that in an anti-feminist kind of way. I mean that in a fucking aerial. That's likely what's going to happen to you, kind of way, because this, exactly. this is how much you're applying yourself. She she ain't no feminist icon. Then we go to the the chicken race, but we were using tractors because we're in Oklahoma. Mm. And this is probably the mm. best part of the film is Kevin Bacon has, doesn't know how to use a tractor. Yeah. So someone's trying to teach him um, to, you know, do the tractor. Uh, Crash uh, course and tactic driving. Yeah. yeah. And everything it says, Chris Penn repeats. But in That's, that way. shit is hilarious. And it's brilliant. It's yeah. Brilliant. Like every, it is perfect comic timing. It's perfect comic time, and we will get back. I don't know what the name of the guy, other guy is, but oh, he comes oh, back. He is. Wait, I wrote down yep, his name yep, because yep, I wanted yep, to bless yep, his yep. parents because he is so yep. fucking yep. hot. Oh my god, other friend, other friend. There's a big huge note that says other friend because I remember as a kid only noticing Kevin Bacon and Christopher Penn, and I was like, but boo boo, how did you miss? other friend i don't hey! know we're gonna have to oh because when they are in the locker room after the bars yep. with or that's late yep. oh child yep, yep. And price of admission <laughs> praise and jesus I, i'm just saying that's not a 16 year old boy <laughs> no no it's not no Whew. During the during the um the the tractor scene they had the brilliant soundtrack moment hero by bonnie tyler yes pretty good and of course the um, kevin bacon wins not because he is courageous but because his shoelace gets stuck which is like one of my biggest fears in life by the way <laughs> i have seen this this trope now in like is that what you would call it a trope i've seen this trope used... is what it would be called Yes, um, I, I've seen this in several films, um, several kind of dramatic um, series, I think, in the 80s. Uh, you know, Lashkey Kid watching, you know, shows like cop shows and shit that I like, probably shouldn't have been watching at that age. But like, I've seen so many cars like go over the side of bridges or something or they're submerged in water and they could get out if only their like sleeve yes. or shirt sleeve hadn't gotten caught on like the yes. seatbelt buckle thing and that just terrifies me to the point where somehow Facebook must have overheard me saying this to someone once where I was marketed this bizarre gadget that will help you cut the seatbelt free from your body as well as bash the window out should you ever find yourself in a situation like this. And I always look at these kinds of things the same way I look at like doomsday preppers who like have a whole stockpile of shit under their house. Like in this scenario, they'd be great. But in like the actual like H-bomb hits the city you live in scenario, let's hope you're home and not at the movies because then you're fucked. You're not getting home to your stockpile 
you're going to live out the apocalypse like wherever you were. Anyhow, you can see I have a very vivid and ima- vivid imagination <laughs> where like disaster scenarios are concerned. Jewish mother, lots of anxiety. Anyhow, so Thank I bought you. the thing. Long story short, I bought the fucking thing and it sits in my car um, for the day that I may go over an overpass into the seven inches of water in the LA river and to cut myself free from the seatbelt. Cause I'm oh, so scared dude. of that. Oh, it's so true. I, I, I fear the same thing. I fear the same thing. We've got a bridge out here, uh, separating the Severn bridge and it's the bridge that separates Wales from England. And girl, I hate going over it. I hate going over it for this exact reason, because what if we fall into the water and then something gets stuck. Ugh. And now I've got the added pressure because now it's all about how would I get my son out of the Oh my god. Seat? You know what I mean? Cuz every every car accident scenario now or every everything in my life, you know because I I had all those I have all those like disaster theories in my head of of you know what could happen to me when they've all been amplified um with the kid because now it's like of course there was a fire how would I get out how would I get my kid out if I fell into water from you know driving how would we get the kid out like nothing it's what everything's about but mind you I have to admit this is my second time around because I did the same thing when we got Tonka I used to have nightmares about like if the house is on fire, how would we get Tonka out? Oh, I think about that shit where Squiggy is concerned. Are you kidding? I, I have those, but I was like, wasn't about to bring that up and try to say that like my dog equates your child. Oh, so no. like I wasn't, oh, no, I'm glad no. you went there first because I didn't want to be that person. But like, I've been oh, thinking no. about like, because of all this shit that's going on, I've been thinking about like packing some kind of go bag. So like if I had to walk from my house in Glendale to get to my parents' house, right? Like if I had to like actually like pack shit on my back and move it, what would I take? And my first thought is how much canned dog food would be reasonable for the weight of my pack? Like that's my first thought there. I was, I was thinking about like zombie apocalypse. Okay. So I'm in the house and I need to get out and Pete's been killed already in this scenario <laughs> and no because what if it was just me you know well that's mean? the only like, way that like the movie really pers- like like someone like the weaker weak. one has to be left not that you're weak but yeah. you know what i mean in film no, no, terms the weaker yeah one, he, yeah we left the little lady right with the baby like, what's she gonna do yeah exactly yeah what am i gonna do but this was before i had the baby so you know how would i get my dog out yeah very important very important for me you know we start um, thinking you think about the things that matter to you most first you're like the well there's that you know, there's that. I gotta, exactly. I gotta do that. So anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, so then we have this tractor thing. This is anyway. the fucking shoelace, right? Okay, and like also too can like again, like just did she did she do the thing? Did she stand in front of what? What's the next thing she stands in front of? Is it the tractor? No, the next thing she stands in front of <laughs> is her next death wish. Happens in a couple scenes, and it's a fucking train. Right. Word. Train. Okay, because I wrote this it's down. Right. I wrote this down, and I was like, oh, wait, was it in front of... Was it in front of the fucking tractors? Because I wrote down, is it a fetish? Like, does it have to be a large moving vehicle? Like, are there other things where she would... Like, does she, like, ah. maybe, like, kind of drag a fork in front of an outlet in front of the kitchen sometimes? Or is it just... 
maybe vehicles. that's the thing. Well, which would make sense because of the aha moment. Hmm. And then like someone, like some dude saving her every time. Is that like a hot thing for her? I think it's a fetish personally. That's her thing. So Sarah Jessica Parker uh, finally gets a scene. Yeah. Where Ariel has sent Sarah Jessica Parker to do recon, like sending her minions to do her job to like spy on Kevin Bacon and report back because she's all crushed out now that he won the tractor chicken race. Right. It's just, she's just a terrible person to her friends. She's like, go find out what he does with his days. And like, <laughs> the, the Cersei Lannister of Beaumont. Yeah. Yeah. She's terrible. Remember, we were talking about we were going to make a list of like the worst hot girls. And right now, yeah. this is our first one, but Ariel's number one. And I don't know if anyone's going to be able to knock her down. So yeah, so he he has a heart to heart with I think his friend, and then it, it's kind of revealed that he has daddy issues. And the second it happens, he is out of there, and he is he takes the car, he's smoking a cigarette, he's drinking a beer, he's thinking about life, and he's just gotta dance. He's so angry, he's just gotta dance. Yep. He's gotta work it out. He's he's gotta, gotta work dance. it out. Work it out, man. And work it out. He's in this empty warehouse and while he's dancing and it's very, you know, it's very, um, what's, what's the word? It's like, uh, it's metaphoric. It's like he's trapped and he's confused. And then, you know, he has flashbacks where he, he sees images of, of Ariel and he sees images of the tractor and like things like this. Rage and injustice. And- so like at some point he finds himself in like a corridor hallway and he's like going yep. from side to side <laughs> and banging it kind of like the aha video, yep. you know, yep. this is, and it's, it's a warehouse. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good that I'm like that, that, that moment in the hallway should have been a bigger deal in like film dance history. Like that's like, like to me, that's like the lost risky business, Tom Cruise sock slide, like that little hallway thing. Yeah. That's fucking good. No, there's like, it got me. It gave me the feels that oh, moment. That moment of the dance game oh, got me. God. Yeah. And I remembered it like when I watched it, I was like, oh yeah, that was always my favorite part of the dance when I was a kid. When he was like in the hallway and was like boom, 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 side to side. I, I hate to admit it. I, I just was not I just thought it was so ridiculous. A <laughs> it's clearly not Kevin Bacon. Like oh, is yeah. it Kevin Bacon dancing? No, it's, it's, like there's no, there. he can it's dance though. Bacon. I'm pretty sure that Kevin Bacon can dance, but I don't think that that's him. Yeah, I think that you know what it is he probably did some of the dancing but then there's the gymnast like like there's super gymnastics that are yeah 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 Yeah, there's some crazy flips and shit we were just like um no probably not (laughs) you know and of course this is where the foreshadowing is right you know he was a gymnast before because that's how he can dance so well right and then what happens sasha his fucking stalker shows up I really appreciate that he was kind of annoyed that she showed up. He was like, I was getting my dance on and now fucking Ariel's here. Like, yeah, you're cute, but like now's not the time I was getting my dance yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and she's 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 got her same boat. She's like, You think I'm small town? And it's like, girl, you got a boyfriend, so stop flirting with him, right? And then but she but then they decide to like go on a a, a date and he she takes him 
to this place that's full of graffiti and it's called like a, a secret library or something. And this is like the moment that we're supposedly supposed to feel like she's deep as well. Like she has her own, you know, she reads too. Uh-huh. Moment, whatever. So not into it. And then we get the the next crazy ass scene, the train scene. Yeah. Death the whole thing's like a bad Tinder date. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like he sees her. And he's like, he had like a bad day at work and he sees him. He's like, I kind of wanted to cancel this date. And he sees her and he's like, oh, but she's hot. Okay, let's do the thing. So they go and he like, show, they go to the library thing and he's like, oh, she's cool. And then she goes in front of a train and he's like, um, yeah, fuck. And, and, oh, but this is also where she, she like explains that her brother was one of the people who died in the car accident that led the town to create the laws against rock and right. dancing. So that's maybe one of the reasons why she always has to stand in front of a fast vehicle mm-hmm. where it's always her death wishes are always about cars. Okay. Who knows? No, I think it's a fetish. Um, yeah, it's total fetish. So then she goes home and her dad's like, where have you been? Right. Because it's late. Right. And she just acts like she's really scared of him. Like she, he's a demon and throws a total fit at everything he says. And he's just like, where have you been? Yeah, you're, it's, like, <laughs> it's super late. Where the fuck? Like, That's it. Like, again, we have a moment where it's like, he's just like being her father. And she just, just, she just throws a fit. She's like, I'm where I want to be. I want to do anything I want. You don't own me. And it's just, you just want to smack the shit out of her. She's, she, so we had, we had three really, first she's a stalker, then she's a fucking psycho, and now she's a brat. Just bang, bang, bang. Fucking Ariel. One out, one after another. Um, then we learn that, that Kevin Bacon was kicked off the gymnast team, mm-hmm. gymnastics team. And, or he wasn't even kicked um, off. They were just like, no, we don't, we don't need any new people. We don't, we don't need any new spots. It's fine. We're, we're good. Teams up. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, but it's another great scene with Chris uh, Penn. And I just, one of his lines here, gotta say it. He's like, things aren't so bad here. We got TV. We got family feud. Yep. Yep. We got family feud. Like, why are you having such a hard time here? All the culture, son. What could you possibly be missing? What I love could you possibly be missing? So much. Yeah. And and then this is the moment where they have the brilliant idea. Let's have a dance. Yeah. So they're going to have a dance and it's going to change everything. Oh, my days. We have to go faster. Yeah. Oh, let's see. So then we get this montage with John Lithgow where he's doing sermons to a bunch of white people about why he loves the town and well i think they're just trying to express like how burnt out he is right like how it's just like the grind of godliness he's just he's getting burned out maybe on saying the same thing everywhere in the same place but that one meeting he went to that was just a bunch of like ladies some ladies meeting oh it gave me the willies it gave me the (laughs) willies it's like oh god that's such a scary town a scary scary town it's scary time because literally, I don't know what 
minute we're at in the film yet, but I, I have the closest color that you see in the film, you know, is like the chef. And he's not, he's not black and he's not Asian and he's not Mexican. Like he might be Italian. Like that's the closest. Maybe. Yeah. He's Italian. Yeah. There are. Yeah. Is is like a dark skinned Italian dude with a handlebar mustache. It's the whitest town in America. There aren't. Yeah. But you know what my theory, I told you what my theory is on that. And that's because like all the black and brown people are in jail for dancing. Like that was actually, (laughs) that was actually that town's war on drugs. Like that's how they decided that they were going to like run them out. They were like, just turn the stereo on and then send the squad cars out. And then that's just where it's clean up the streets. One fell swoop. And then that's it. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, just because he wants to show them what, what real life is like, he decides to take fucking Ariel um, Sarah Jessica Parker and Chris Penn to a bar where everyone is dancing to John Cougar Mellencamp. Mm-hmm. But um, but Chris Penn doesn't dance. He can't dance. Don't ask him. And he's very ashamed about it. Um, fucking Ariel, on the other hand, is dancing like a skinny slut. And I don't know how not to slut shame her in this moment. Like it's yeah. one of those things where she's she's like one of those girls who's dancing like she's drank too much already. Yeah. Except she hasn't yet. Yeah. Uh and and I don't want to slut shame, but how can you not? Like the moment is this is what she's uh it's hard. Her dancing is it's so about the vibe, man. It's about the vibe. Right. It's about the vibe that's coming off it. Yeah. Her vibe is really bad. Um, <laughs> it's just like the second she starts dancing, and she's like dancing with Kevin Bacon, super slutty, and then she dances with other people. Uh, and she's what? She, what is she wearing? Is and it's like I hate to be like that at all. Like I don't want to, you know. But you know, you got to be careful. I don't know. Maybe. Oh well, I'm, there you go. See, does she have to be careful? Out. Does she have to be careful, or does the rest of the world have to respect whatever the fuck she she wants to wear? See, you and I were raised it's at a different time. Moment. We, you and I, still have all this stuff. Like, we're not part of this new world yeah. where like you could be a woman and do whatever the fuck you want. Like, those are still ideas that you and I are adopting. This is the, what I'm talking about. Like, this is the shit that got hammered into us as a kid. This is the but shit see, that we got fed. Yeah. Obviously, um, I've been waiting for a girl like yeah. you place yeah journey and sarah jessica parker she just can't help herself she's yeah. gotta dance so she gets up and starts dancing with the lumberjack with some with the lumberjack and chris penn is like not on my watch and he gets up because he gets really jelly and chris penn gets in a gets in a fight and gets punched in the face. But not before we have some more, like, really kind of, you know, another, like, moment for misogyny mm-hmm. and slut-shaming. Mm-hmm. Where, like, he's like, hey, man, I came with that girl. As though that means that it's his right to determine what she does from the moment she walks into the building. And then without even that. looking at Sarah Jessica Parker, homie's like, well, it doesn't look like you're leaving with her. And then, and then after he gets punched, like, they all act like it's totally cool. Like... Who cares? Which is, they do this twice in this film, where it's like not a big deal that someone just got clocked in the face yeah. and is bleeding from the nose. But you're absolutely right. Like, they, they do have that moment. And you like Chris Penn. Chris Penn's a great character, but he does have this moment where he's just, you know, 
a jarhead yeah just like an absolute like macho idiot we're just like wait a second that would just yeah like that's some shit that just would not fly today like that scene just wouldn't fly like people would be like what the fuck fuck that guy first of all why is he even talking to dude his issues with homegirl he should be like hey girl we came together why are you dancing with another dude and then she'd be like um excuse me my body my life my time i do what the fuck i want yeah and scene right like Ah, and then we're on the bridge. This is the moment where we actually get uh, this full story that it was Ariel's brother who got killed and that her father kind of went off the deep end about saving the soul of the town. Um, Slap, because she throws another fit. Oh, yeah. And then she goes home again, throws a fit, and her father slaps her. Finally. And... Finally, and it's hard to say. <laughs> Sorry, but shit, <laughs> she's such a brat. She's such a brat. So yeah, they get home, and and again, he says, "Where have you?" I been? don't condone child violence. I don't condone domestic yeah. violence. Okay. And then Diane Weiss, who, in the middle of this whole movie, there's suddenly amazing good acting on her part. Like it's a weird, it's a weird part for Diane Weiss because she's so fiery. Mm-hmm. She's, she's so powerful in every film and she's so full of character. And in this, she plays a patient preacher's wife who, who doesn't speak and uh, unless she needs to. And she's perfect at it. She's but she's like, a, but she's also like a kettle that's like starting to boil. Like she's so ready to pop yeah. the fuck off. I love her in this. I love her. Again, but again, Diane Weiss, isn't she the same age as her daughter in this? Like, she's super young. Like, why, why is Diane Weiss? Well, I mean, his his eight-year-old, Ren's yeah. eight-year-old cousin did call him a fox. I mean, this is Beaumont, Oklahoma. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, but she must yeah. have had Lori Singer when she was like eight. You know what I mean? Like they're the same age. All I'm saying is, like when you watch it, there's a scene where where she gives her a corsage before they go to the prom, and right. you're just like, uh, "You're the same age." <laughs> like, no, that's right. not your daughter. Right. Anyway, she's she has some fucking incredible acting in this film. I think you explained it perfectly. Um, and then Kevin Bacon is really trying to get people to come to his dance. And then three dudes come to beat him up. And then Other that friend. guy, mm. Mr. Muscles, mm. he comes and beats him up. And it's really, we're just going to. And then we have the locker room scene. Oh, God bless the locker room scene. About, yeah. We, we can talk about it again. If, if nothing else, um, two hours of this movie is kind of worth it for the, for the locker room scene. That's what I said. Worth the price of admission right there that was for the moms i think that was for all the moms that had to take their kid to go see footloose they're like well we gotta we gotta toss something to the moms and like then there was the locker room scene and they're like okay oh my i sat through and this to take my my you eight-year-old daughter his, to this you see his booty everyone oof, it's oof. very nice oof. okay and then and then we get the best montage ever where Kevin Bacon teaches Chris Penn how to dance. Best montage and ever. To, Maybe to, not ever because um, like we haven't watched from it. the boy. Yeah. But but I have to say, I felt some sexual tension here between oh, these two. God, yeah. They're literally running through fields of flowers together. Yes. 
Um, yeah. It's very it's amazing. erotic. It's amazing. It's very, you know, and then, and to the point where there's a, at the end, it's just Kevin Bacon just watching him smiling and, and then he <laughs> says, you know, come here. <laughs> like, it's like, it's, rewatch it rewatch it oh my god look look how good you're dancing i'm just gonna watch you dance come here he does a little come here come here oh my god Um, this then we get the overboard scene oh my god teenage violence oh my god this is the moment what the fuck this scene is so so insane it's so insane. So Ariel, you know, is is messing around on Chuck. And she shows up to break up with him. And he says one thing to her. And I don't know what happened. And then she says, you're so stupid. And then she swings at him yep. and hits him. That's yep. the, the part that was that I didn't remember is that she actually. She initiated the fight. She initiated the fight. And and then he just, I mean, he hits her in the stomach. Closed fisted. They fight like some 35-year-old meth heads. It's fucking horrific. I mean, he has her on the ground closed fisted just to the face. Punch to the (laughs) face. What? She takes, she picks up a pole off the ground and starts hitting his car up yeah so on one hand i think it's horrific what he's doing to her but on the other hand like how do you get somebody to stop hitting your car with a lead pipe you know like he's pinning her down like stop doing that and and then he hits her and it's horrific it was very uncomfortable the whole thing was terrible it's terrible like i just it was kind of it's like it's in place because this movie is so fucking weird, but it's totally just like, what? Like, yeah. Ah. It's the it's most scary. outrageous, like the, it's like the, it's such a over the top violence level, but, but, but at the same time, so real as I'm saying, like, I feel like they fought like a couple of like 35 year old meth heads. Like, I feel like I've seen a couple go at it like that in an alley in downtown on the way to work from just like, Oh fuck. I hope someone calls the cops it's not going to be me because i gotta yeah, go to work but yeah. like fuck like they are and, fucking and each other up and it's not even like that dude is hitting this woman it's they are fucking each other up like they are fighting the hospital it, and it's fuck. like it's hospital level yeah fighting absolutely level, absolutely right? and then and then after this of course she goes running to ren where like the like i and blown away by how he's just like he's tending to her wounds but is somehow he has some degree of affection for her already and is somehow not either incensed or like what the fuck bitch you have been closed fist hand hit in the face (laughs) multiple times like you have been beaten you have been battered and bloodied and you are here and i'm tending to your wounds and he didn't okay and now like when they had their weird Tinder date, is that when he kind of slut shamed her and said that like she wanted him her him to kiss her, and she was like, "Oh, I feel like you might have been yes. kissed by a lot of guys," which was like kind of yes. like, "Ooh, shit, Ariel." Yes. That was the. That he was likes the you, before. but he thinks you might be dirty, <laughs> a little bit, right? So he says that to her then, but now that she's got a mouthful of blood, 
somehow he wants to kiss but her. She's, but the thing is, is she doesn't. What they have this violent, violent scene, but then the next scene, she's like got a couple bruised cheek and she's just like i'm uh, fine her like, teeth should have been hanging by their fucking roots yeah. like that's how nasty yeah. that fight was she Ew. should have had an eyeball popped out stitches the vein, <laughs> the vein <connected. laughs> like the fight was um, some broken fingers yeah she should have had a patch, of, a patch of hair missing from her head like for, yes she should have been in two pieces she should have been in two pieces after the fight but no no when we finally get to the scene i think i think that's the thing the next scene she's just like oh how bad does it look will my father notice oh my saying, god and then but then the kiss though to me was like the grossest zero chemistry it. kiss ever yeah so but, icky and awkward know. and uncomfortable it's like oh god they paid you to do that it's so uncomfortable yeah. to watch <laughs> like well, it's so weird. It's just like first he's been beaten up, and then yeah. she's like she's totally cool about it, and then she's like gives him a music box, oh, and God. he's like, "I don't want that music box. If it's about this, isn't about you getting back at your really super nice dad, yeah, who just wants money so you can eat some French fries, Fr- yeah, it's not what this is about. right. It's about me." But now we're gonna get to the we're we're gonna skip some parts. We're going to skip time. some parts, but what's also skipped in the parts that we're skipping is the fact that somehow her whole family doesn't notice that she comes home with the shiner and a busted lip. There's oh, no yeah. other no, follow-up no, scene about there. this, right? There's no follow-up scene to this. Yeah. So now they they're, they want to have a dance, so they're going to go to the council meeting to make it happen. I think just this whole movie is it's just about how overboard it is. So so this council meeting is going to happen. And and like you said before, you know, everyone is turning against Kevin Bacon in the town and they're going to go to this council meeting where he's going to ask everyone whether or not he can have a dance. And yeah, overboard. Somebody drives by his house, throws a rock. A oh, my fucking God. Go to hell. Go to hell. Burn in hell. Like, and the little girls are screaming. There's a brick that comes through the window. Broken glass in their bed. Yeah. Yeah. This is not Mississippi is burning. This is footloose. This is after the the over the top meeting where he quotes the Bible for five minutes straight, right? That's before before the meeting? Okay. Yeah, this is before the meeting. Um, We have the big council scene. Yes. And he says, can I have a dance? And they basically say no. But Ariel has given him a Bible. With highlighted passages. Mm -hmm. A highlighted Bible. And he reads from it. And it's all about how dance is a celebration of God. Um, But he still loses. Mm -hmm. But he's got his really cool not Negro, magical Negro boss at the factory who's like, you know the cards were stacked against you when you got in the door, right? Yeah. They said that the dance could only take, couldn't take place in Beaumont. Good thing the flower factory is right on the city line. What if you just had it right here? He saves the day. So excellent. Yeah, they get to have the dance instead at this, at this, at this warehouse. Uh, but before the dance, we've got to have one more 
fucking aerial scene Unamas. with John Lithgow. Yeah. He is, you know, practicing and his, practicing his sermons. And she decides to come in and just throw another fit. And in this one, she's like, I'm not even a virgin. Like, she just, she just is like, like fuel on the fire. And even and that, like, seriously, the way that she's been acting about her home life, okay, the way she's been acting, like this death wish she's walking around with this reckless, uh, like, like madness that she's been, like, participating in, um, you would think that her dad would have been, like, the kind of creature where when she said, and I'm not even a virgin, that he would have been, like, get out, you are not my daughter, you are, in fact, the spawn of Satan. Like, her bags would have been packed and she'd have been on the street. You know what I mean? All, all he says is, you shouldn't be talking about that. In here. Me, in here. Like, he specifically, no, he was talking about, I think, in the church. He's like, don't you speak like that in here. He was like, don't you profane in the house of God. Like, don't you talk about, like, don't do not do that in this church. Like, it w- yeah. Fair enough. Cool. I agree with that. I mean, I just don't even understand like that whole fit that she had was just like such a like, I'm a teenage brat. And like, I wonder, did I see it the same way when I was a kid? Like, did I really see him? Because I think I did, because I actually seem to recall watching this and thinking like, oh, he's so much nicer than I remember him. And I'm wondering if as a kid, I actually did relate more to Ariel and be like, yeah, he's just such a mean guy. Won't let them dance, won't let them do stuff. Like I wasn't capable of seeing like, no, this guy's actually, yes, he's hyper religious and very, you know, strict and observant of his practices, but he's actually like a fairly decent guy who, you know, maybe could work on his people skills a little bit, but you know, his interpersonal skills anyway. But uh, yeah. No, 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 no. no. Look, here's the honest truth. John Lithgow's character in this film is a preacher, a man of God who has lost his son. And in his grief, he believes that if, he kids are not drinking and smoking and dancing to music and and doing all this stuff that teenagers do maybe he can save their lives because he lost his son yeah and then throughout the film he realizes that his vigor in in kind of taking these things away has been ill-advised right and he owns and and not only does he um realize it but he owns up to it in a sermon mm-hmm. because the thing is the, the scene that we didn't talk about was oh. there's one point where, where he finds them again, an overboard scene where they're straight up burning books. And he's like, stop this. And he sends everyone to home and he realizes that he's gone too far. Mm-hmm. And then he real, and then he has a heart to heart with Ren and he shows a picture of his dead son. And, and he realizes, and he has this great sermon, um, which is probably not great because John Lithgow is saying it, it is where he admits his faults as a man and as a preacher, which I think is like, that's amazing. Like that's an amazing character. Like there is no reason to dislike this man at all. Like he's, he, if, if everyone in the film, he is the one who has had the only arc. He's the only one who started in one place and ended up in another place. Um, Ariel is still a little bitch at the end. Ren got his party you know what I mean? Like they all get to dance. Mm-hmm. This man had to like, you know, he had to get over what how he was dealing with his grief over the loss of his son. But anyway, to lighten up the mood, yeah. once they find out that they're allowed to have a dance, somehow everyone in the whole town, all the teenagers have motorcycles. Yes. 
they, they all have motorcycles. Yeah. Place, and they decorate it with balloons and Christmas lights. <laughs> yeah. Kevin it's amazing. It's on a red suit. Oh, 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 not a red suit. Did you not notice that that was my jacket? That that was that that was the jacket that I wore like almost all through the high school. That little like smoking nice. jacket that I yeah, it's the exact same jacket. Ooh, Sasha, you're so classy. <laughs> I love it. I too. I had that one, and then I had one that was like, like a damask maroon and black velvet. I thought it looked similar to what Beetlejuice was wearing. Beetlejuice had a striped you know, suit on. Yeah. Oh, and they in the oh yeah, in the wedding scene. Yeah, yeah. Well, that like shark skin, that like two tone suit thing was the the thing. My grand, all my grandfather's suits yeah. were like that. Yeah. Sexy. He looks good. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna put his back there. So we're at but the prom. Wearing, uh, oh yeah, no. So okay. Oh, God, I hate that dress. I hated yeah, that dress really so much. Good. That dress looked exactly like. Remember like those the, those thing those fashion plates things that we had when we were fashion kids. Plate. It was like some weird plastic. It was like a plastic toy and you would put like a pressed image of like a girl in like a dress inside this frame and then you put a piece of paper over that and then you close the frame down and then you'd like rub it with a piece of yep, pencil yep, 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 fashion yep. plates I right exactly i feel like fashion that exact plate. look the hair the dress everything is an exact literal han solo carbon copy of one of those fashion plates <laughs> uh so then okay so then we go we finally get to the dancing and no one's dancing in fact there's one dude picking his nose um, and there's and there's 20 no cakes said, there there's 20 <laughs> cakes at the prom i was no like that was i looked no at i was like why is there like 20 cakes why is, are people just did we have cake at prom do you eat a ton of cake at prom <laughs> I don't I remember this that. This is just a dance. I, oh. I, I called it prom before. I was incorrect. It's just a dance. Oh, no, I thought it was but a prom. Oh, no, in real life, no. it was a prom. But anyway, no one's dancing until Kevin Bacon shows up. And Kevin Bacon and Ariel, they just, they just immediately cut a rug. And once they start dancing, everyone starts dancing. Last thing that happens, no, or the second to last thing that happens in the film is one more over the top oh no no, no wait scene. wait there's one more thing that happens because it's important to like two of the lesser important characters but the characters that we have decided that we absolutely love this time around which is um john lithgow and diane weiss character as they are watching the dance like all of a sudden like he wanders off which is funny because he walks away from her and all of a sudden she's like shaw 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 and i'm like how did you lose him like it's been not even 10 seconds like he's not a child like how did you lose him and then she sees him five feet away from her and then like she finally gets him to like loosen up and she you can see it in her face she is like preacher fornicate me now she is so ready for him to just throw her down like mother like daughter fornicate me in these bushes right here right now and it's awesome so before the end of the film we've got one more huge fight scene um, Chuck shows up. He's fighting with Willard and he's kind of winning. But then Kevin Bacon shows up. And again, one of these, it's the editing. The editing's really off. So he does a karate <laughs> jump. Yeah. Karate. I have that written down. I love that suddenly everyone is a kung fu master. He's yeah. A kung fu master and he, and he karate jumps from like yeah. 
from like the 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 platform, like the short yeah. platform of just in the face, guy. straight to his face. And they, yeah, and they fight, 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 and and eventually, um, Willard and Kevin Bacon beat them both up, and the girls yeah. are just so happy about this. They actually say the lines, "Our heroes." Um. There will be an ambulance here right now. These boys just got the yeah. shit knocked again, out of them. They just again. happened to win. Yeah. This is the other scene where it's like huge, gigantic fight. And, you know, no one, no one goes to the hospital. No, none of those things. Right. Even though it's good, like five minute fight where people like you can hear the punches. Like, it's yeah, insane. you can no, see the blood. You see the blood. But no, that doesn't happen. What does happen is Kevin Bacon goes back into the hall and he gets a full frame on his face and he screams let's dance and then yeah. the and then the room just busts out and they they dance oh sasha they dance oh how they dance um but yeah lots of lots girls of, are lots twirling they're they're stevie nixing they're side deciding and then the most amazing thing happens in a town of that has no black people, suddenly this tow-headed child appears from nowhere to pop and lock like it's Electric Boogaloo 3. Now, oh either he happened to grow up in the hood before they put all the brown people in jail for dancing, or what? Like, his mom let him go spend a summer with some progressive cousins in New York City. And he finally has a chance to show off what he learned in the summer of 83 because it doesn't make any sense. No. They don't have the internet. There's no internet. There's no way that he knows about popping and locking in a town with no, with no black people. So, and then it's just over, right? Yeah. They just, yeah. they dance and then it's just over. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's not a good film. I'm not into film. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, like it's good. Well, I mean, now that I know that it's a docudrama, now that I know that it's a documentary, I have a whole, I have to take it differently. I can't, can't just look at it as a film it's a slice of history amy actually when i looked on um what is it netflix it was like five stars so i you know i mean it's a classic people love it in my opinion it's just overly dramatic it's just like it's like how can we push the envelope like in every scene you know and all and then magically there's some really fantastic acting from John Lithgow and Diane Weiss and Chris Penn. And then Kevin Bacon does his job. I mean, I thought, I thought Kevin Bacon did a very solid job. You know, I mean, even though he does look like he's 35, like seriously, like when he picks her up for prom, he's like, you're beautiful. Like his crow's feet are so deep. I'm just like, this is, they couldn't like adjust the lighting a little bit, but like. He is super old because like he was in Animal House and that was late 70s, wasn't it? Like when was Animal House? Google it. How old was Kevin Bacon in Footloose? All right. So in 1978, Kevin Bacon is in Animal House. And he looked Wait, like what? In 1978? Time. Yeah. So. Okay. Let's see how old he is. All right. You, you're going to do the math or shall I? Oh. All right. Mm. So 1958. Is when he's born? Yeah. So, so he was 26 in Footloose. 26 years old. Damn. 
because he makes him 20 years older than us. And I was, we were six in 1984. He was 26 years old with crow's feet playing a 17 year old. Okay. So we, we've just finished Footloose. And the question is whether or not on a transatlantic flight, when the choices are between Footloose, Frozen, <laughs> or anything with Liam Neeson. I would probably choose. I think I'd go with the Liam I would Neeson. Pro- I, I would go with the Liam Neeson as well. So there yeah. you go. So thank you all so very, very much for listening to our very first episode of Eating After Midnight. We know it was a bit rough around the edges, but we hope you enjoyed it anyway. Quick thank you to my brother, Mark Rivers, for creating our fantastic logo. Sasha and I don't have a website yet, but you can follow us on Instagram at Eating After Midnight Podcast. And send us a DM if you have any comments, questions, complaints, or requests for future reviews. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, latchkey kids. <laughs>